and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about King Richard, and I am joined, uh, as I often am, by Daniel Lima. Daniel, thanks for joining me. Pleasure to be here. And we're also joined by first-time guest and friend of ours, Mo Adewumi. Mo, how's it going? Great. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, so uh, King Richard is the newest film from Warners. It was an HBO Max release, but is also in theaters. It is directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, uh, written by Zach Balin, and most notably produced and by and starring Will Smith. It tells the story of uh, Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams, during the early 90s as he raised his young daughters, uh, both in Compton and in South Florida, into uh, becoming the as the tennis prodigies they were and guiding them to the success beyond the dreams of what anyone could have really thought, except for him, because he always believed in them. And this movie just kind of tells that improbable story of him bringing them in, into these spaces that really people like them had really never been in before. And uh, he was really a divisive figure, though. In, all along the way, and the movie aims to capture that, that we'll talk about just how effective they are in doing so. It, again, it, it kind of starts out in like 1991, where uh, Richard is driving uh, Venus and Serena around and just trying to find people to coach them for free to kind of help with all the expenses that come with coaching young tennis players up into hopefully the professional ranks. And uh, eventually Venus pops a little sooner than Serena, even though anyone that knows anything about tennis knows that while Venus was a great player in her own right, Serena, probably the best tennis player of all time, uh, male or female. And uh, so the movie ends up focusing a little bit more on Venus as she, you know, just kind of breaks through and uh, the junior circuit and right around the time she goes professional. I guess I'll start with, I, I want to start with Mo first, because I know he, he's a little more of a sports fan than Daniel, but I appreciate it. it seems like Daniel has uh, done his research to be able to be pretty conversant in these topics too. Mo, I want to ask you, uh, when you first kind of saw this was going to be a movie, I want to know what your first reaction was, because it's a big deal whenever Will Smith does anything. If that, that's I, I'd say that's just not like a, you know, a sequel to one of his other movies or like an alien movie. It's when it's like he's going to step out and kind of do something else. So I want to know what your reaction was when you saw this was going to be something that he wanted to tackle, both based on what you your feelings about Will Smith as a performer and a, and a celebrity, but also uh, what you knew about Richard Williams at all. Because I think one interesting thing to talk about with this movie is that a lot of people had some kind of perception about Richard Williams, even if you really weren't around for like when he first came on the scene like we were, just the way the media talked about him. So I want to talk about what your kind of impressions were based on what you knew about him as a figure, but also when you saw, hey, this is someone that Will Smith wants to portray. Yeah, so um, I guess I could go first on the Will Smith role. The thing, the funny thing about it is that like I used to be a little down on Will Smith and sports movies, and my only uh, reference point for that was Concussion. Uh, you know, <laughs> I saw Concussion. I, I also saw Concussion before I saw Ali, which is probably unfair to Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, saw it. I heard Ali was fantastic, but like you know, Concussion, you know, the Nigerian accent's not there. He's not. He's, he plays a Nigerian dead. dude. Yeah, the, the, the guy that discovered CTE, Daniel. Which I, I guess you maybe did you ever see Concussion, Daniel? It was on my watch list because I heard it was terrible. Well, yeah. the, the, well, the, well, the doctor that you know discovered CTE, the you know the traumatic brain ben injury that's yeah that so many NFL players uh, suffer from, like was a Nigerian doctor that eventually kind of came over to America. Huh. Well, that's on my watch list now. My well, I mean, he does like watch the trailer first, and then you'll understand why like it was such a crazy thing at the time. Because like you, you learn a lot about what you need to know from that accent. You don't have to like be a lot closer to that culture like that. Like Mo is to understand just how ridiculous that performance was. <laughs> yeah, and for context, you know, Nigerian American over here. But yeah, yeah, no, like I was definitely more of a tepid reaction. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I always wanted to know a little bit more about like the Williams sisters in general like just from a personal life perspective always growing up with them as like icons and I had heard stories about their dad a little bit being rather tough on them from time to time so like I was always sort of interested to hear about it and my interest started to grow as I started seeing like uh, trailers from the movie so I was I I genuinely became a little bit excited to see it um before the movie came out and before josh asked me to come on so you know it was it was pretty good well so what did you think about the what was your initial reaction to the movie then as far as like kind of what you knew about the story going in and what you thought the potential was for it what did you think about the time that they decided to cover and just the way in which they told the story do you feel like they did it in a way that kind of told the story you wanted to know about the williams sisters as someone that like you said did have some level of interest in him. Do you think it really kind of zeroed in on the right 
compelling aspects of this story, which as a lot of like sports commentators say, like, honestly, like maybe one of the most improbable stories in just American sports that this guy like decided I'm going to have some, I'm going to, I'm going to make these two girls like the greatest tennis players ever. And it just happened. I mean, do you think that they told this, we're going to get into, I guess, more specifics about the movie, but do you think it told the story you wanted to know about them? I think it told a lot of the story that I wanted to know about them. The comparison that I thought of immediately, and maybe Daniel's familiar with the guy, is uh, LeVar Ball. Like, Mm -hmm. that was the first thing that I initially thought of, because just just the 2021 comparison, he's very loud and rambunctious and, you know, has all these different proclamations about how good his sons are. And his sons are actually, like, good at basketball. Uh, (laughs) You know, like, Lonzo has finally found his stride in the NBA, and then LaMelo is also, like, was fantastic rookie of the year and like it's sort of it's it's very similar of a dynamic with with Richard Williams but like it's also like what was really familiar for me was like just the black sports dad in general I've grown up around a lot of them I I told Pam while I was watching with her that like there was a kid uh on my brother's basketball team who had like a really like obnoxious sports dad and I'm just like if that guy kid had like a quarter of the Williams sisters talent (laughs) far worse like far far worse so like it was it was very familiar and it was also kind of like endearing in a sense because like you could sort of tell like uh this was a man who was really not given much to work with in terms of his goal but like had the absolute confidence in his girls and was trying to do everything that he could to not only like get them to that goal, but also like protect them in a sense um, from the pitfalls of like sudden fame and notoriety, which happens with like a lot of young athletes when they're exploited in like young in like tournaments and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I, I dug it. I dug the story. I dug the movie. Honestly, I I thought Will did, uh, Will did a good job. And he actually kind of surprised me because I wasn't expecting like a phenomenal performance or anything like that, but I think he, he honestly, I, I didn't remember that it was Will Smith at times. So like, that's saying a lot with the guy's famous as him. So, yeah, you know, like I, I think, I, I think he did a good job. I, I think the casting was pretty solid. I, I enjoyed the movie. I really did. I, I thought it was good. Daniel, did this thing surprise you in any way? Did you, did you, uh, I mean, I, you're not really a sports guy. So I'm wondering when you go into a movie like this, uh, what, what is the, what is the best case scenario for you? All right. Well, did this surprise me? No. Uh, here's the thing. I went into this with far different expectations than Mo. I went into this with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Truthfully, I think the Vinnie's, the, the Williams sisters have a very interesting story, right? I would have loved to see it. I would have loved to have a movie about their rise in stardom, how they dealt with the pressures, how they dealt with their, you know, their, their sort of, you know, they were family, but their sort of rivalry, that sort of tension, you know, to see Venus, uh, you know, uh, climb to these sorts of heights far before Serena was able to. I would have been interested in seeing all that. But when I saw the trailer, when I first heard that this movie got greenlit, I was like, wait, I think it was a blacklist script at one point, which is the, uh, yeah, I believe it was on the blacklist. And I remember reading the the log line and saying, wait, so they're making a movie, not about the the Williams sisters, but about their dad. I don't give a fuck about their dad. I want (laughs) to know about them. What the hell? Why would say, why are we still doing this? Why are we selling these sorts of stories from the perspective of the male figure in their life versus from their own? So already I was already going into it with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. And then I watch it. And what I see is every single sports drama that I've ever seen. But it seems to deliberately skate over the most interesting parts of this story in order to go for the most traditional cloud pleasing narrative, regardless of how I don't want to say true to life because I'm not one of those guys who champions like being true to life over telling a good story. But in this case, I think that being true to life would have made for a more textured, a more interesting, uh, a more unique narrative uh, than the route that they took. In some ways, I find it even um, a little morally egregious. So (laughs) ultimately, 
I wasn't very satisfied with this movie. I think it's one of the worst movies that I've seen all year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so it's funny. I actually think I fall somewhere in between the two of you uh, in that I agree with Mo and that I think I like it as a movie. I like it more of as a, as a sports parent movie than I do as a sports movie or as a tennis movie. But I also agree with Daniel and that I think it actually probably skates over some of the more interesting parts of what it could have been in a sports parent movie. I talked a little bit before or I uh, about or I, I might have mentioned before with respect to just like uh, or I think one of the more interesting things about Richard Williams, as I touched on before, is just like the way the media portrayed him and the way he behaved in the media. And I, I, I talked to Daniel and Mo earlier today about trying to go down YouTube rabbit holes because it talked about him. Like he's, he's talked about in the movie and, and just even people that weren't really or I was around in the early 90s, but I wasn't really totally sentient in the early 90s. I was like born in 1991. And I, so I, I, I kind of like started becoming more aware of tennis in the early 2000s. And the, the way people talked about Richard Williams, you would have thought he was like, I don't know, Bobby Knight, but as a, uh, but just as a, as a sports parent, like the media just made it seem like he was this crazy guy that could go off the handle at any moment. And I'm sure there was certainly a lot. I'm sure that was some over the top coverage. I'm sure there was like some, you know, um, subtle racism in that coverage and some just a lot of coded language going into that and all of that. But at the same time, I think there was a lot more there, there than what they showed in this movie. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, th I think because the movie seems to want to hint at that kind of stuff, it keeps like talking to Richard about the kind of interviews he's been given that are really crazy. But all you really see in this movie is a guy that just like his only fault is that he loves his family way too much. I mean, I guess uh, it's hinted at the fact that like, you know, I, I, I don't I, I don't know, like if you if you guys read up on him on Wikipedia or whatever, you saw that he had like a lot of other kids in his past and stuff like that. that the movie briefly touches on. And I think there was actually stuff in there out there, though, about him, like having some infidelity issues that the movie just doesn't really go towards at all. Uh, and then there's also just like other things that I'm sure he said to the media at certain points. And the movie just doesn't really seem to want to go there. Uh, so I really like I. I think there's more they could have done to like make him a complex figure while still like making him more sympathetic than I think they might've been worried that making him more sympathetic than, than they were probably worried that he would have come across if they have just like given the full story, because I just don't really think we necessarily got that with respect to him. It is worth noting Venus and Serena Williams are both producers of this movie, which is always yeah, something that, that raises. That, yeah. That, that is absolutely, I think part of the issue with this movie. They love their dad. And of course, they, you know, they don't want to go too hard on him. But the fact of the matter is that, yes, he was a very controversial figure. And yes, he's, you know, there's out there information, information that he himself provided that just doesn't reflect well on him as a parent, even as yeah, someone who, you know, I, I, wants, apparently. <laughs> one thing I missed was why they were living in Compton. You guys told me that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they weren't living in Compton. He decided that he was going to move the family there over his wife's objections uh, because uh, it, the environment would make them tougher. Uh, then there's hearing about how he would break beer bottles and put litter them on the the, the back of the tennis court to you know incentivize the girl to stay up closer to the net. Uh, there's what? like, apparently in order to like, he, he told his wife, we're going to have two daughters and they're going to be tennis stars. And when she wasn't down for that, he started like hiding her birth control pills. Uh, yeah. Like, the two, and then there's, yeah, he had like another family that he walked out on. Like he had five kids told his, one of the kids, I'm going to go get you a bike. Then that was the last thing he ever said to him. They never saw him again. Like what I'm saying, what I'm getting at for all I know you know, a lot of the coverage is overblown for all I know. Uh, you know, this is a man who genuinely does love his, I don't, I, for all I know, I'm not going to judge the man too harshly. I've never met him. What I'm going to say though, is that there is a far darker, far more textured, far more layered, interesting uh, examination of who this man is, how he related to his family and the relationships that he formed and, you know, hazard hazarded when he was you know uh trying to like push these two girls to become the greatest tennis stars in the world and the movie leaves all that on the cutting room floor because they want to tell a safe story it's the same sort of thing that you know people complain about in reference to marvel you try to force this narrative into a formula and that inherently sort of limits how creative and how unique the story you're gonna end up getting can be and i feel like that's really really felt throughout the movie well, what did you think about how they depicted him like as a family man? Do you think it was almost like too saccharine in that regard? Or do you think like you, you enjoyed seeing like 
how he was like trying to create this environment for them separate from the pressures uh, and the anxieties that could come with like high level junior sports. I disagree with Daniel a little bit on like um, uh, sort of the relevance in terms of like what they should show and what they shouldn't show. Uh, Could they have gone a little bit deeper into like the sort of man that he was and sort of the father that he was and be a little bit more realistic with that? Sure, absolutely. The Williams sisters did not want to necessarily uh, broadcast all the issues uh, that the uh, that Richard Williams had as a family man. That said, I think the most important uh, point in this story is how he was basically trying to be um, like uh, like the in-between for the sisters and the world of tennis, right. which is a very uh, elitist world, a very white. Uh, white world, a very like um, like pressure-driven uh, world. And so for me, the things that I was like uh, interested in is basically like uh, him saying like, all right, the girls aren't going to be in juniors anymore. And, like, that sort of spoke to me because, like, I recognize, like, you know, in, like, a lot of youth sports, there's a lot of uh, chances for exploitation of kids and a lot of uh, opportunities for, like, burnout where kids are playing match after match after match after match. I I don't know too much about tennis, but I know uh, with basketball, with AAU, it's, Mm -hmm. like, matches all the time, ball is life compilations, and you see these kids who have, like, 50 year old knees at like 17 years old because they've been like playing circuit after circuit after circuit all the time or like they um you know they uh they it gets to their head because they their dunk videos have like three million hits on youtube and so they end up like you know flaming out and not actually progressing their careers properly and i think that the interesting battle that he sort of had with not just like, you know, the larger media, which again, they probably could have showed more of, but also like the tennis establishment basically saying like every tennis star, you know, plays juniors and, uh, you know, that's the only way to succeed. And him saying, no, I need these kids to also be, like I push them hard enough. I need these kids to also be kids yeah, uh, you know, because this is also about their development. I think that that was kind of important. That was right. kind of a, a good debate, and I think that that should have been the focus of the uh, of the movie for the most part. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I want to I want to say because like I I like that you went there because I should say like the thing I wanted more of was that media stuff. I didn't actually really need them to go into him like you know being un, being un, un, unfaithful husband or a like a an absentee dad to his other kids. Those are the first things that came to mind is the easier things that were to like look up. And that's why I was, I had my top of mind, but like, I, you know, there's that scene where he's basically like telling, preaching to them that they need to engage in some sort of like respectability politics and just be humble all the time uh, when they're, when they're out there. And which, I mean, it's kind of interesting because yeah, I touch I, upon that in a moment. Yeah. But I, I, I wanted more of like that, like he said, Mo said infiltrating that culture. Like how is he just like walking in there and meeting with these coaches anyway, you know, in the first place, I was kind of curious about that. How is he getting in those doors? I have a hard time believing like these really white institutions are just going to like let this black guy roll up on the guy that's coaching Pete Sampras. Uh, so I was kind of curious how he's like infiltrating those spaces anyway. And if it has to do with the way he's like, carrying himself and telling his girls like you got to be humble at all times because that's the only way we're going to get through that's something but then like you know the movie keeps intimating later on that like he most definitely wasn't exactly practicing what he was preaching in the way he talked to the media necessarily and i don't know if we saw a lot of that necessarily but we're told that that's what he's doing and that's why he's partially becoming a distraction beyond telling the coaches just how to do their job from a tennis perspective so i would have been curious like so basketball that i I just wanted to like yeah that is completely like like yeah and i i yeah well you're not immersed in i'm not immersed in the sports world right (laughs) so like those elements those procedural elements that you're talking about that are in the movie um that are the focus of the movie which is like you know the him champion like champ being the champion for his girls trying to you know get them all the decision making and such admittedly 
not very interesting to me. And the reason for that is that the Williams sisters, we know who they are. We know that they're the most successful people in the world. And is that like, so what's the point of this watching the procedural going through the motions, going through the beat? I might as well just watch, you know, read their Wikipedia page to see how they got there. No, what's interesting here is should be at least the character, which is why I bring up the, which is why I keep bringing on, bringing up his character, because that flawed portrait of a man to me is more interesting than the image that we are presented with, which is the guy who is kind of always right. I point to the, that, that scene that you were talking about where he's like kind of correcting the coach that he fought so hard to get them a coach. And then he's second guessing him at every turn. That scene to me was actually very interesting because, you know, after all this time telling his girls, look, you got to do it this way. Suddenly they're brought into under the, the tutor, the tutelage of someone who's telling them something entirely different and he can't handle that. That's a conflict. That's a real conflict. One that I'm interested in seeing as these two like figures in these girls' lives, kind of helicoptering around them and directing them. I want to know how they feel about that. Yeah, what the movie though isn't interested in interrogating that dichotomy. Well, one, uh, one thing I wanted a little more of is I want to know. I don't know if if you guys saw anywhere about it. Did they eventually go to like? Did they end up using that open stance when they ultimately became really successful? That they make a big deal about in the movie, and I'm not sure. I have, I, I have I no idea. I, I have I no idea who's right, but that's right. I think gets to the heart. One of the problems is that the movie sort of always kind of assumes that he was in the right at every turn, and that's not interesting to me. It also leads into my my main look. I'm not. I don't tend to be a pearl clutcher when it comes to movies, right? What really does tend to bother me, though is when I feel that movies are kind of using like a feel-good narrative as like a Trojan horse for duplicitous, odious politics and messaging. In this movie, I feel personally that it is a, at heart, very socially conservative film. In that what way? Uses the, 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 the structure of this sports narrative that we're all familiar with, this feel-good crowd pleaser, uh, in order to smuggle in this message that like, you know, hey, Parents will always know best. Listen to your folks. Uh, to you black kids, be humble. Don't rock the boat. Plug away at it. Work hard and you'll get there. You know, like all the same kind of bullshit about like, you know, if you put in the work, you'll get you'll get somewhere. Like it, it's the kind of thing that always kind of bugs me. Uh, and to see this movie kind of uh, get the praise that it's getting without anyone reckoning with that. You pointed out the scene uh, where, you know, where he's telling his girls after they they won and they're celebrating amongst themselves. He chides them for being taking pride in their accomplishment after the fact. Uh, and the scene is played as a, he is giving you this sage advice. I remember, like, I hate it. Basically anytime a movie has a, a line, which makes the, the older black couple behind me go, mm-hmm, I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like that. <laughs> that scene where he's like, you know, they're, they're you know, uh, they, they get see uh, the child protective services called on them. And like he says, we're hard on them to the CPS people. He's like, we're hard on them because we're their parents. That's our job. And I heard it behind me. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes parents will say that sort of shit and they'll be in the wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like movies like this, they're chartering in a very specific tradition. They're chartering in this sort of like, uh, I, I, I guess you would call it the black melodrama, the kind of thing that like Tyler Perry movies do that's sort of moralizing about like traditional family values and such. And I find it to be, I think, I personally think that it does more harm than good. Wow. Um, and it just always aggravates me to see it smuggled into something this mainstream and you know, to have it go kind of unquestioned. Well, so, Mo, now uh, Daniel has accused you of enjoying socially conservative propaganda. What do you have to say for yourself? Socially conservative, not in like the like Richard Spencer sort of social conservatism in like the black community. I know, I know, I know. The, the family man kind of thing. I think there was like a little bit of nuance, not enough, but like, I'll say this. At each and every point in which Richard Williams is doing sort of a moralizing thing in front of his wife, he gets challenged. Uh, when he was like trying to moralize to them about like being humble and everything, his wife was like, yeah, but you left my babies at the store, like go get them, you know, that kind of thing. 
or like, don't you ever like, you know, do this again. Or when, or even when he like, you know, made the unilateral decision to pull them out of juniors for the first coach, she again said like, don't mistake my uh, silence for like agreement. And like that last fight that they had, you know, towards the, uh, toward, uh, right before like the climax of the movie, it's very clear that he was actually wrong in like it was kind of like said that he was wrong in terms of trying to keep Venus away from playing professionally because Venus wanted to play professionally. Venus like goes through her coach to try and get um, to try and play professionally. Coach gets shot down. Mom jumps in and just sort of like reads him the riot act for like a little bit. And then he goes over to Venus, basically like reveals his insecurities and stuff like that and then like is basically like saying like like if you want to play professionally play professionally and then for the rest of the movie venus is kind of in charge of her life or at least that's what it is portrayed as so like i i think that like you are touching on something that like yeah there is like a virulent strain of like you know black family man you know uh and like working hard and as long as the patriarch supports you you're gonna get ahead in life but like, I don't think it was at, as straightforward as it probably could have been. And also like, I do think that like, you know, they wanted to tell the story of their dad because their dad was like massively instrumental in getting Yeah, Well, that gets into that other problem. But um, here's the thing. Most of his decisions ultimately are vindicated. In fact, in a way, all of his decisions are vindicated beyond besides like still being reluctant to let her play in this tournament at the end of the movie beyond that though everything that he said is vindicated even all the times where like people chide him for being uh too strict for being hell look at the scene where like he leaves the girls at the at the uh at the store if it ended with you know his the mother putting her foot down saying go get my babies, that'd be fine. But then there's this other scene right immediately after where like he gets, they get home, he forces them all to watch Cinderella he, and he gives them like his big moral lesson, which, you know, got a nod of mm-hmm behind me in the theater. You know what I mean? Like, but like the mom's decision, reaction to that wasn't positive though. So it wasn't positive, but the scene is played as him being in the right beyond that little thing of leaving the kids behind. Ultimately, it's, trying to position him as someone who ultimately, whatever his failings, is in the right, which is where you get that message smuggled in. And yes, of course, the Sereno sister, the, the Williams sisters produced this movie. They're not going to, you know, <laughs> they're not going to go all in on their father, but that's the problem. It becomes an issue. Uh, this is true of all biopics, honestly, uh, whenever you have the involvement of the estate of the person or the involvement of the people who are being the subject of this biopic, uh, whenever you have their direct involvement, you're always going to have a ceiling to how in-depth, uh, how much you can interrogate about this person. Straight out of Compton is like produced by NW NWA and they're like, exactly. I actually honestly, like that was actually one of the mm -hmm. movies that I, you know, I criticized because it does so much to lionize these people. It don't even, it, it, to create a villain, it ends up go delving into anti-Semitism, if I remember correctly, uh, oh, with uh, Paul Giamatti's character. So yes, um, instead of grappling with the flaws of these people and how their clashing personalities kind of led to the dissolution of this act, that's a movie that, you know, fails because of the involvement of all the people involved. And I think this is the same way. Uh, that oh, argument, that argument toward the end, um, where she brings up the kids. I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute. He ran out on an entire ass other family and we're learning about it right now. And before the scene is even over, before he even leaves the kitchen where he's arguing with his wife, she embraces him. He's already, the movie already forgives him because ultimately the movie does think he is a good, decent man who doesn't deserve to have, be hated or to have this held against him. And yeah, I, 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 I find that to be very duplicitous. At the end of the movie, like you said, Mo, ultimately, uh, you know, Serena takes charge of her Venus. career, but it feels like Venus. too, I'm sorry, Venus, I apologize. Uh, but it feels like too little too late because the rest of the movie is all about how he was ultimately in the right. Well, Venus was 14 years old. Like, 
he how, probably she probably shouldn't be like negotiating. Well, my point contracts. is, but yeah, yeah, my point here, my point here though is that if the rest of the movie had been, this is you know, I'm talking about him, but if the movie had been, for example, focused on the actual sisters and they weren't supporting characters in their own narrative, maybe then to have in the third act her finally taking charge feels like you know a natural evolution of the story rather than like i don't know they were shooting this shit chronologically and decided oh wait a minute why are we making a movie about the serena william the, the william sisters and it's called king richard you know what i mean like i i do feel like it's the whole movie just feels like a missed opportunity and there's so many hints at a more interesting story within the text of the movie that it becomes very very frustrating well i and and i get that and i'm not uh going to like try and like change your mind on that but i guess i just wanted to know like if not the people who like were intimately involved basically like the williams sisters executive producing this who would you rather tell their story then and not and keep in mind this isn't necessary like the purpose of the movie isn't really the williams sisters like yes it's like in relation to their like rise uh specifically like rise into pro sports but this was about their dad as the driving force behind that rise yeah and i'm saying that that narrative just doesn't work it's not an interesting narrative because it shies away from the darkness it's the same like i said it's the same thing with the marvel movies uh we had a conversation about uh about um uh what was it called shang chi right i can't this is probably the only podcast where you're gonna hear king richard compared to shang chi but hear me (laughs) out hear me out so when we talked about Shang-Chi, uh, someone said that, like, uh, I complained about, I mean, spoilers for Shang-Chi, but if you were going to see, you saw it already. It's on Disney right? Plus now, I think. Go watch it and come Plus. back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. But um, at the end of the movie, after this very grounded story, uh, you know, where like down to everything down to, from the from the character relationships to the action is very grounded in reality uh, versus like, you know, all the superheroics of all the other movies. Ultimately, the finale of the movie is this big CGI fight against this goddamn big ass dragon that no that you didn't even know about until like 30 minutes before the end of the movie. And it, right. I found that very deeply unsatisfying because I'm like, you had something going into that that was so interesting and you ruin it just to fit your fit into this expectation of what a Marvel movie should be. And who we were talking to was saying that, you know, well, it's a Marvel movie. What do you expect? And I'm like, well, that is the problem the mindset of the people going into this production and undertaking this production inherently sort of limits the kind of art you're going to get. That's not to say that like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like, they should never have been involved. We should have like, you know, done an unauthorized biopic. I I don't know whether that's the case. I don't even know if you're able to do that. All I'm saying is that as long as you have them participating, it seems to me that you're going to end up with a movie like this, with a movie that shies away from really uh, delving into the stickier parts of their history and really getting into the most, uh, 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 you know, the richest part of these characters' relationships because it wants to tell a very lionizing story. Right. I think I think the best version of this movie is not the one that's made for the largest audience, which is what this is. Uh, I can't help but think how much of that is also a Will Smith issue in that he is an executive producer on this movie. And I wonder how much of it he didn't want to be playing the unlikable character. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. It's kind of one of the reasons, if I'm not mistaken, why he didn't do Django Unchained. It's Django. Um, and, I, and I learned today when listening to another podcast, he apparently turned down The Matrix. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, he, not, he was going to be Morpheus. Yeah. Not that that would be like controversial in the same way that like Django had the potential to be on paper. Um, oh, I was going to say, by the way, how did we feel about Will Smith's performance? Oh, well, I liked it. This it's a separate it's a separate issue from what I'm, uh, the point I I'll, I will continue making in a minute, but I I'll just say that like I, I guess he's doing a Shreveport accent in some to some extent because that's where Richard Williams is from, as Mo mentioned at the top of the podcast. Will Smith has accent work has the potential to go in multiple directions. I I did not think I, I thought he pulled off one of the kind of southern accent he was going for in a way that didn't make Richard Williams sound like a dummy and uh, wasn't distracting. So I was fine with it on that level. It sounds like it sounds like you agree, Mo. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I didn't think it was I didn't think him portraying Richard Williams was like, you know, a distraction at all. I think I got as close to watching Richard Williams as I thought I could. Get. Well, and, and Daniel, uh, I mean, uh, well, I think personally, guys, I think Tupac could have done it better. What do you? Oh, think? my God. What do you think? You think Tupac could have done it better? No way. 
I, 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 I don't, let's I don't ask, know what to say ask, to that. Let's ask, let's ask Jada. Jada. Uh, I mean, Tupac could have done this better. I, I mean, well, Jada also produced on the movie. I didn't realize that till the end credits roll. But oh, I'm I, sorry. By the way, I'm sorry, Journal Boy. Are you aware of the whole Will Smith Tupac shit? Uh, no, I, I knew that I, I knew basically just, uh, that I, I knew, I knew Jada and, uh, and Tupac went way back to Baltimore. I didn't know the, I, I, I don't know the story beyond that. Oh man, this past, this past couple mm. months, man, it's been, she keeps on going on interviews talking about how much she misses Tupac and shit. Oh. And he's going on interviews talking about how, how jealous he is of this dead, like, it's, it's the it's most, bad. it is the most embarrassing yeah. press tour Very. I've ever seen. This man just keeps taking L's. Oh, he's getting so disrespectful. Okay, I, I I miss that that vein of the press tour in so much as like I've seen a lot of this stuff about just their marriage and it the the unique uh shall we say openness of it at different <laughs> points in time. But I, I I just I just miss the I miss the Tupac of it all. I just th- those interviews hadn't really broken through for me. Oh yeah, he's been getting clowns all year. All year. Well, I, I, I do think. It. Well, it's interesting. He's trying to do this press tour. He has a book. I believe he's been promoting a book too, and that's why he's been yeah, doing a lot I hear of that, interviews. I hear that. I hear that the distributors aren't very happy that he's, you know, on this press tour, kind of mostly talking about the book. Like the movie hasn't been, didn't light up the box office like they expected yeah, it. To, I don't. So. I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of interest in talking about box office with the HBO Max stuff. It just seems like it's just a fool's errand to really try and decipher it. Like I'm. Yeah. Did, of, course, did, of course. Did you go to the theater, Daniel? Yeah, I went to the theater. Granted, okay. I have Regal Unlimited. I don't know no. how that how oh, no. that money goes to the theater. Yeah, I mean, the- I, all right, but I, I would have gone to the theater if I was in West Palm. But I was back here with my family, and there just were not good times. So, it, but like, I'm guessing, I, I just like you know, most people. I feel like most people I notice aren't going to see this stuff in the theaters. They're not like me and you. So yeah. I don't, I don't harp too much on that. But I mean, the fact hey, is like, hey, we'll see. We'll see actually this weekend. Cause it's like Thanksgiving, you know, this is a family movie. This is yeah. a movie that you're going to take your, but there's, there, there's more, there's more. Movie. Yeah. But I'm going to, I mean, there's more important stuff coming out like house of Gucci. Like that, that's where, that's where it's at this weekend. Uh, uh, and we're all, we're also recruit, recording this like, uh, like two weeks before people are actually going to be listening to it. So whatever. Uh, it's not, the, it's not Thanksgiving yet as of the time that those of us are talking, but, 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 but I, I'm glad you guys even, mentioned the will smith press tour if you if you want to roast his marriage a little bit later we can do that but let's finish i want to finish talking about the the, the movie first but like you know I, I think it's interesting he's on the press tour we've already talked about like he shied away from Django. he's very concerned about like usually portraying a particular type of movie i, I believe during at some point during this press tour he's also talked about another slave movie he's actually making it's going to be like what like a positive slave movie or something like that as he put it uh i'm, I'm pretty sure i don't I, I i don't want to like go quote him beyond that but i believe he was kind of selling about how it could be inspirational and stuff like that i'd rather see Django too fuck that right (laughs) yeah and and so it's like he shied away from Django. he has a particular way he wants to wants to come across and uh so it's funny that's why it's it's also kind of funny that this press tour has gotten a little messy but uh that's usually what that's usually will smith's aim so i'm i'm sitting here watching this movie wondering not even just like the the person the stuff in his personal life but did he not want to take the risk of coming across as the angry black guy and did he not trust that this movie would allow him to like portray this guy that was controversial because the way he carried himself in the press, but at the same time was misunderstood in that he really, really just cared for these girls. I just thought that the movie could have done more to like actually be a little more ambiguous in that way and still come across as like portraying him in like somewhat of a sympathetic light. But on top of that, I thought they could have done, they could have accomplished part of that by delving more into the sports parent part of this movie. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and you guys were talking a little bit about uh, one of you saw that like he used to like, I don't know, break glass and make them avoid that or whatever. And I wanted to see a little more, not necessarily of that, something like that specifically, but like what it meant to like be this kind of sports parent. And yeah, no, uh, I, I, I am with you. I am with you there. And, and, well, as far as more- you talk about pulling him out of the juniors or whatever. And I thought that was really interesting and probably not explained enough. Uh, we see Jennifer Capriotti, uh, I, who I whispered to my mom as we were watching, like, oh, she actually did have drug problems. And then within like 10 seconds later, they had that thing with the news clip. And I don't know how this junior tour would have worked. Like, why is he freaking out that much? He, she doesn't have to play every single junior tournament. You know, I don't think she has to be put on a bus away from her parents for two months at a time. Why can't she play like one tournament a month or something like that? Like, I, I, I want to know what the commitment is. Cause like Mo mentioned AAU basketball earlier for a certain level of basketball, amateur basketball player at this point in time, the way like youth basketball works, like if you want to actually improve yourself to the point where you're going to like, you know, 
make the league, like you're probably going to need to be playing against the competition that's on the AAU circuit, not at your local rec league. Uh, so when it comes to it, but like, there's not a movie about that. I would watch a movie about that. I bet Mo would watch a movie about that. Depending on how it's done, I bet Daniel would watch a movie about that. But that's just not a, the kind of the, the movie that shows the dark underbelly of like, you know, these kind of parents. That's not the kind of thing that's going to appeal to a wide audience. And I, I think it'd be interesting to see what are the sacrifices these parents have to make. The, the other big question I wanted to ask you guys, and I'm afraid we're almost running out of time to get to it, was like, did you think that like, uh, did you want these people, these white people in this movie to be more racist? Um, because we're talking about not scaring off large audiences here though. And who knows, maybe if like you'd saw these white people being like really racist, like that would have been part of the thing here. It's a little more subtle and that might actually be how it would have been in these circles. People would have been a little too concerned with appearances to be any more racist to them, but I would have wanted to see what the parents are that push them too far and what's the right amount. And I want to know what that push pull is. And I don't think it necessarily hung out enough in that corner of the movie, though. I really love the performance John. Bernthal gave as uh, Rick Machi. And Amazingly, yeah, he was a lot of fun. I love he, he was fun. Too. And I thought you could have like hung out in there a little more in that world and seen like, here's what could cause it to go wrong. Here's what it might take to go right. Because I think it tries to tell us that Richard ultimately made the right decision, but like could have done it a little differently. And I wanted mm-hmm. to see like, what are the different ways that could have gone if we saw what the fundamentals were of being the wrong kind of sports parent and the right kind of sports parent? Because we've all seen a lot of sports movies, but I don't think we've seen a lot of sports parenting movies. And that would have been mm-hmm. unique. I do agree with you in the sense that like what this movie probably missed is that sort of tiger parent relationship between Richard and Venus and Serena. Like you don't see him being antagonistic towards the girls and you don't see the points where the girls are just over it. And every kid of an athlete who's like parent was majorly involved in their life and also the coaching of their lives they usually get over it. Like having your dad as a coach is not fun, like 40 to 80% of the time. So they could have delved into that a little bit better. You know, uh, some, of, some of those antagonistic moments or those low moments. Also the mom, like, I, I, they could have dove into the mom a little more. Because yeah. you guys were mentioning earlier just about how like he's just like telling her off part of the time. But it makes it clear that she was actually somewhat involved in it. And like hints yeah, at that. They, they don't, they don't they, until the fight that they have, it's never really brought up how involved she was. It sh- it sh- yeah, it shows her coaching Serena when Venus goes off and gets the coach. But like, I don't know if it really follows through with like, I mean, obviously Richard was probably the bigger presence, but like, I don't know if we get enough of her, but sorry, Mo, continue. We don't. And like, it's funny that you guys mentioned that because like, you know, on Richard's Wikipedia page, it lists like, you know, the Williams sisters accomplishments because it legitimately lists him as a coach. It does on hers too. I looked at hers. On, on hers too. Yeah. So like, it it's very clear that this was at least the project of, making the Williams sisters, the Williams sisters that we know today, it was a team effort. We don't get to see too much of the mom's involvement of it. It's probably because the dad was like the, uh, the front facing figure, but yeah, having your parents as coaches is a, is, can be a very great dynamic and can be an extremely stressful dynamic. And you don't necessarily get to see the weight of the stress on the girls. And I think that's probably, at least for me, that's probably what the movie is sort of missing the most is how that affected um, the the girls in particular to have their parents as their coaches. Daniel, this kind of, Daniel, this kind of ties, well, Daniel, sorry, this kind of ties into that because I wanted to, since we're running out of time, I wanted to direct you towards the back of the movie, but this ties into that. I want, because I want to know, I know you didn't really care for the traditional sports aspects movie at the end of it, but I'm wondering what you thought about how that movie actually like kind of wrapped up in like what the, in, in, you know, how he's, they're kind of driving her career after she decides to go pro and how you thought the movie kind of handled that with those Nike executives and all that. Well, honestly, if it weren't for the movie that, that had preceded it, I'd say that the finale does sort of course correct, um, or at least it makes the attempt to in showing her kind of taking charge of what she wants out of her life. The problem here is that, like I said, the rest of the movie is kind of focusing on him exclusively and his quest to get them to where they are, skating over all these interesting relationship dynamics that y'all have been pointing out. So like in the scene where like she meets with the Nike exec, at one point, Richard says, well, you got to stop asking me questions. You got to talk to her. 
And it should play as like a powerful moment where he realizes, you know, yeah. how much control he's exerted over their lives. Yeah, there's and not a lot of context. This is a relinquishing, and this is a relinquishing of that. But the problem is that the entire rest of the movie has shown that he's been pretty consistently right about everything that he's tried to direct these girls to do uh yeah, and there's not and, and there's not a lot of context for why he makes that decision to like turn yeah, it in that well i guess i guess there is a context in the scene that precedes it where he like allows her to go to this tournament yeah. i'll grant them that but it just all feels very unearned in the narrative that they were telling if this movie had been for example about the relationship between him and his two daughters it, like if that had been the main focus, like for, if this movie had uh, started, let's say, when they moved to Florida and it charted the uh, because you can see like, you know, after there's a, a bit of a time skip. Mm-hmm. And at that when we get to the end, end of that time skip, Venus is already kind of over all this helicopter. But she wants to get onto the court. Right. If the movie had been set during the time that they skipped over and it showed the kind of growing resentment of the of of venus and her desire to want to like actually go out and play i think that that scene and the you know that finale of the movie ends up playing a lot better but instead it just feels like a wholly unearned sort of like play at like kind of course correcting for the narrative that focused entirely on their father and it just you know in order to get to that classic sports drama ending did you, did, did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Mo? How did you think, or, or did you have any feelings about the actual tennis itself in the movie and how, how it looked? Uh, I mean, I think the tennis just sort of looked like tennis. It's not really a game that I understand terribly well, <laughs> but um, there was a time where like, I, right when I got off the movie, I was like, oh, it's interesting. Like they just sort of ended the movie after like a big match and they don't really like show her success you know, right after, which was shortly after. But um, I, I did think that, I guess what they were trying to sort of portray is that they're actually at a level where Venus is going to clearly have a great trajectory in her career. And now she has all these fans. And, you know, Serena is also like a big part of that too. And so you get to um, and so, like, I think, like, ending at that match was probably, like, the right decision, but a lot of the beats I was fine with, uh, just missing specifically how he uh, relates to the daughters, how they sort of not necessarily view the big decisions about tournaments or juniors or necessary, just more like the day-to-day of gotta be out in the rain with dad again. You know, like, like, how do they feel about that? The neighbors calling the cops and all that stuff. It's just like, all right, like, you know, nosy neighbor. And he thinks that he's being tough on like these girls because he has to be or whatever. Right. Like, that's fine. And every parent can sort of justify that. But like how they sort of feel about this whole thing. And it would also like make their appreciation of him after the fact, because they clearly love and appreciate their dad. It would make their appreciation feel even more earned because you could sort of see where they sort of like accept like okay this was for a reason this was great this was not so great but it ended up being fine speaking of the stuff he's doing for them we didn't even really talk about the whole side of the movie with respect to like uh him apparently as a matter of course is getting his ass kicked by gang members at these parks <laughs> uh and uh just bringing it upon himself i thought it was a little i don't know heavy-handed how it just had him do that and then all of a sudden hey, your daughter's won some tennis tournaments. Now these gang guys will look after you and protect you. Apparently and... that's true. Apparently oh, okay, it that is? part is actually true. I mean, yeah. according really? to them. So, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize yeah, it happened. If, I can, if, I'm gonna, if I'm going to believe him when he says that he hid his wife's birth control, I guess I can believe <laughs> the gang members stuff. At least, I, I, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad, right? I get yeah. yeah okay if that's if that's how it really happened I guess I, I who, who am I to criticize him I was just like this is like this feels it felt like something that was created for the movie. Yeah. yeah no the only thing created for the movie I believe is the scene where he's about to go assassinate the gang member <laughs> uh, that part was not true that, that part did, wasn't true but like that does yeah. not seem accurate yeah no 
Do you guys have any other feelings about any of the, before we wrap up any feelings about any of the other performances in the movie? We understandably focused on Will Smith. We talked a little bit about Anjana Ellis. I mean, she has her one Oscar scene. I don't know if that'll get her an Oscar, but it was obviously a very important scene in the movie. Uh, did anyone else you wanted to shout out or any other moments within the film we didn't touch on before we, before we wrap this up? I love the two coaches. I, yeah, I think they were they were really cool. Um, uh, you know, no, no, that's one thing. The movie doesn't really have a bad guy, which I thought was interesting. You know, you're, you're conditioned to think one of those guys is going to like try and do them wrong, but you kind of get where they're all coming from, which I like. Yeah, like it, it you're right. They don't have see, a I bad call that, guy. I call that lazy, but you know, they, they don't have a bad guy. The, the bad guy is kind of just like tennis establishment, right? Is, is sort of the bad guy. The coaches mean well, uh, the agents are just kind of doing business. I do like the coaches and like i like venus's actress a little bit didn't get to see much of serena even though she's a dead ringer for serena herself like the actress that they had for her at the end like looks very much like her didn't get to see much of her and that was also like you know just sort of an interesting tidbit because serena is the not only is she like the goat in terms of like play but she's also like the bubblier like more outgoing personality of the two of them and uh you don't necessarily get to see so much of that because they're focused on venus's development throughout the movie yeah i would have liked again i would have liked to see more exploration of well pretty much any relationship in this movie but uh honestly like the scene where venus is going to practice with that coach for the first time and serena is just not able to um and they share a little moment on the stoop before they head out and she's like it's not fair like that honestly was a moment where i was like damn i want to see that movie um and yeah the movie just papers over all these sorts of relationships in order to fit into this box very dissatisfied not a fan also like what's it like to have half sisters who are like tennis products like, yeah, that's actually a very good point. What's it like for the other sisters? I, I, I forgot all about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was their relationship like? You know? Yeah. It, it, uh, it, yeah. it seemed good from what they were trying to show us. Yeah, like, I know. But like okay. the, the fact is the movie just leaves a lot on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it ignores the most interesting threads in this story uh, for the most obvious. And it sands off the edges of that story in order to make it, you know, fit into that formula. So. I was curious, uh, not that I needed the movie to go there, but I wanted to know uh, what the financial arrangement ultimately ended up being with Rick Machi. I, I don't, I, I have a hard time believing he actually got 15% of their earnings in perpetuity. I know from reading up on Wikipedia that they did leave him as a coach in 95, but I want to know how that financially got resolved because uh, they lived there for about four years and he clearly like invested a lot in them. I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. I did not need them to go like, again, not a rabbit hole. I needed the movie to go down, but that's something I personally plan on researching. Cause I find it fascinating. I mean, Hey, have- 15, 15% of $12 million. I think she got a $12 million deal. It said is like um, almost two mil. So we got almost two. Well, mil. I mean like the, yeah, their career earnings. So we're like Serena, like I mean, like 94 million uh, in winnings and uh, Venus, like 42. So, yeah. Doubt that, doubt that he got that. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm wondering, I'm wondering uh, what kind of lawyering had to go on to extricate them from his tennis academy um (laughs) uh mo any other final thoughts on uh king richard before we sign off well um you know i i I still like the movie uh for the most part i guess like you know throughout talking with you like i do uh recall things that like maybe we could have like touched on a little bit more or things that like uh were probably more interesting again uh you know, if they had just sort of got deeper into how uh, the girls feel about their parents being their coaches, that really would have like rounded this out pretty nicely. But I, I thought that the things that they were going for were largely cool. I, I, I like the movie. Daniel, uh, how, uh, how did you feel about this movie? <laughs> you know what? Not positively. Not positively. Tupac would have done it better. that's all i gotta say um i I, what what i'll say before we wrap up again is that like i think it's you know 
even if it's not my ideal movie, I bet it's one that like you can, it's one you can watch with the family and that's for better or worse. So, you know, if you're, by the time people are watching this, we're probably going to be closer to uh, Christmas than we are to Thanksgiving. And if you were just looking for something to easily actually, no, it's it only stays on HBO max for 30 days. So it's going to be gone by the time you get there. Um, but uh, look, if you're, if, if you're just listening to this, like, I think, I think, um, and you're, you're wondering if you should recommend it to someone else. I, th- I, th- I think um, odds are, they're not going to be as offended as, uh, as of it. Odds are they're not going to be as offended as Daniel was and uh, they're going to be able to take something from it though again my more ideal version of this movie is probably the indie one that looks at the sea underbelly of youth sports and it only really like uh, feigned at being that kind of movie but uh, again, you know, it could have been a lot worse because like the Will Smith performance could have like uh, really gone off the rails in a way that I, I don't think it did. And a lot of these supporting performances are good. I think the girls are pretty good. And I think, uh, again, uh, just love everything John Bernthal ever does. Before we wrap up, uh, Daniel, um, I, I, I know you're not going to have a whole laundry list of sports movies to recommend as you usually do other genres, but is there anything else you've been watching recently you want to uh, direct the listeners to? Well, honestly, all the movies that I've been watching have been kind of crap. So no, do you you want to plug something else that you've been working on? Oh yeah. Right now I am currently uh, in the process of finally establishing a podcast of my own, uh, the straight to audio action podcast, where I discuss the latest in straight to video action, all the sorts of movies that you've been dying to hear someone talk about, like uh, never back down revolt. uh, The fourth movie in the never back down series, Uh, one shot, the Scott Atkins movie, which takes place entirely in, one shot you know uh, honestly i'm still trying to get it a little off the ground right now you can find it on spotify and soundcloud and i still got to put it on to apple podcasts you know because i'm lazy about that actually i did have one sports thing to recommend though okay i got this book at a bookstore great television plays and it's just a collection of six tv plays from back in the days where like they actually you know filmed live plays on tv in the golden age of television you know, 50s, 60s. And it's got six of these things. Uh, you know, you've got 12 Angry Men. you got this Patty Chayefsky play. That's the guy who ended up writing a network. And you've got Requiem for a Heavyweight, which is a boxing teleplay uh, written by Rod Serling, who went on, of course, to create The Twilight Zone. Now, this book, this, this play um, was the second episode of like Playhouse 90, which was one of these uh, TV shows. I think it was on NBC. And uh, it's about a boxer who, after a career of, you know, getting hit in the head a lot, is told that he cannot box anymore or else he'll go blind. And so then he's left just with no purpose in life. It's all he's ever known to do. And it's about him grappling with, you know, losing that sense of purpose and trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life and trying to decide whether or not he revels in the, uh, you know, glories of his past or tries to forge a new path into his future. It's honestly very touching. It's very moving and affecting. Uh, Apparently Rod Serling himself was a boxer back in the day. So, Mm. you know, it's reflected in that. Jack Palance apparently uh, originated the role on TV. The the episode ended up winning like six Emmys or something in the 1958 uh, Emmy ceremony. Mm. Um, It's honestly just a really moving thing. I need to see the movie that it was adapted into like eight years later. Uh, Yeah, it's a... I would recommend that you read the teleplay script for Rod Serling's Requiem for a Heavyweight. Interesting. So, Mo, as you might have gathered from just now, this is the part of the podcast where I have the guests plug anything they want to. It could be a personal social media thing, something they're working on, or just something else you've watched recently that you want to shout out. Anything like that come to mind for you personally? Uh, yeah. So, um, right now uh they've only have two seasons out but like dairy girls on netflix is funny as hell. oh you too yeah dairy girls is good Uh, good. everyone's everyone's a fan these days it it is it is uh popping popping little series um so you know i'd i'd recommend it for sure uh they're like 20 minute episodes and there's like what two six episode seasons you can do the whole thing in like a day if you want Man, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. I tried it once and I just wasn't into it, but I don't like coming of age stuff that much. So I'm going to, I'm going to, too many people have told me that they love it. I got to try. No, it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool. Um, And then even though I haven't uh, finished, uh, finished everything of it yet, I still like what I see so far from Snowfall. So Hmm. check it out. Isn't that, hasn't the FX show, right? FX show. Hasn't yeah, that been like? Movie. It's like been like four seasons though, right? Four seasons. I'm oh, on God. the third. It's 
it's fun. It's it's lots of fun. That's one I haven't watched, and I'm like I've like I've I haven't tackled a new series like that where it's like that many seasons to watch since I got my COVID vaccine. You know, like mm. last year when I was like sitting at home a lot, I tackled a lot of like six season things. Like I watched all of Shit's Creek. I watched all of Justified. I uh, a, a couple other things like that. I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head. And I just like haven't taken the time to like delve into anything like that with how many movies are coming out now and how many shows there are that have just been dropping on Netflix. I can't keep up with. So yeah, there's too uh, much content. I'm yeah, first world problem, but I mean, I but I, I personally don't have anything to plug today because like I this this is like my it's gonna like to be like one of like like five podcasts I do in like a week and a half, so I'm like running out of stuff I haven't already talked about on other podcasts. So I, I'll just say as usual, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. On Letterbox, it's the same thing. Podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, you might finally have that podcast with our friend Ben Lubin I've been talking about on Bergman Island, and uh, we'll obviously have stuff on House of, House of Gucci because uh, we're recording this a couple days before it's released. So lots of stuff to look forward to there as we kind of hit this holiday award season stretch. Uh, thanks again to Daniel and Mo for joining me, and we'll see you next time.